Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining with us for this week's podcast. As per usual, before we begin our time together, I want to take a moment and let you know a bit of what's coming up in our community. This week, Craig Somerville is continuing our new series from Philippians titled Gospel Citizens. And next week, we'll be having a missions bottle drive during the weekend services. This is October 28th and 29th. All that means for us is that if or when we come to church next weekend, we can bring our bottles and cans and leave them in a bag at the back of our car after we park, and the missions team will pick them up during the service. This has been a very fruitful fundraiser for us in the past, so if you have bottles and cans to spare, please bring them to your service next weekend. The best way to know what's going on at Southview is by checking out our weekly viewpoint, and you can find a link to our viewpoint in the episode description of this podcast, or you can go on Realm and join the group Southview Family Updates, and that will make sure you're always getting the weekly viewpoint in your inbox. And if you're new with us here in this digital space, we would love to hear from you. And you can find an online connection card at the bottom of the viewpoint, along with a prayer request form so that we can support and join you in prayer. And additionally, you can always find us on Instagram or Facebook. But now today, no matter how you're joining with us, may each of our hearts be open and expectant because God is here and Jesus invites us to bring all that we are and all that we're currently carrying to him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let's seek the face of God together. Our sermon text today comes from Philippians 2, verses 12 to 18. It says here, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life." And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Well, hello, church. It's good to be together to worship King Jesus, the one who's in control. He's alive, he's present, he's here, he's speaking, and it's good to be together to worship him, to pray, to open God's word. Thank you, Brett, for reading. And, uh, and then soon to come to the high point of our gathering to feast at the table and to feed on him. And so it is good uh, to be here. Um, I want to begin our teaching time with a question. Who or what is forming you? I would, uh, I would argue that all of us are being formed by someone or something. We don't exist in a vacuum. We have people in our lives who influence us and uh, shape us and mold us into the people that we are becoming. There's influences in our world apart from people, maybe circumstances or headlines or sub- celebrities, uh, whatever it might be or whoever it might be. 
think about that question of who or what is forming you. Maybe there's friends, family obviously forms us, sometimes for the positive, sometimes the not so positive. Uh, But we're formed by people, we're formed by groups, maybe teams that we play on, or if you live in a residence, maybe a pod that you uh, cohabitate with, or uh, just different groups like that that you might find yourself in. Maybe there's circumstances in your life that are forming you. I'm realizing one of the circumstances I'm facing is the aging process, and this is a milestone weekend for me. I'm preaching from a large print Bible this weekend, first time ever, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, But we're all being formed, right, by someone or something. And as we think about our series that we're in right now, Gospel Citizens, uh, we started with the unstoppable gospel as we opened the book of Philippians, that God is on the move, the good news of Jesus is uh, penetrating lives and transforming lives, and we moved out of the unstoppable gospel now to being gospel citizens. And gospel citizens are formed by Christ, right? If you remember a couple weeks ago when we opened the series, we were in uh, chapter 1, verse 27, where Paul, when he's writing to the church in Philippi, says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And so as gospel citizens, we are to live differently than the world around us. We are to be informed and transformed and molded and shaped by the living Christ. And so today's passage is a continuation in this series of being gospel citizens. And this passage really is an invitation to be formed by Jesus. And so again, I'm just going to pause and pray as we do dive into God's word that he would speak to us from his word. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you speak. We thank you that you're present here today. And your desire is to speak to each and every one of us. You're alive and you're active. And we pray by your Holy Spirit that you would open our ears, that we would hear what you have to say, that you would soften our hearts to receive your word today, that you would soften our will, that we would be responsive to your word. And so we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so as we dive into our passage that was read earlier, Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 18, if you have a Bible in front of you, I'd encourage you to open it to that passage. Uh, We'll have some scripture on the screen as well. But just as we just dive into verse 12, I want to start with this idea that Paul is uh, putting out a call to the church, a call to obedience. And in chapter 1, or sorry, chapter 2, verse 12, he says, Therefore, my dear friends... As you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. And so he's inviting the church to continue in their obedience. And so this is a call to obedience. And as uh, we consider that word obedience or obey, I know that my heart kind of uh, resists that word a little bit. To obey or to be obedient is almost like a harsh kind of word in our culture, right? We don't want to do what other people say we should do, right? We kind of want to live on our own terms and often, you know, we want to be our own boss. And so to obey someone uh, might not be the most uh, sort of invitational kind of call that we would receive from Paul today. But this passage really is a a call to obey not Paul, the apostle, but to obey God himself. 
And so when he's putting out this call to the church in Philippi, he's inviting them to obey God. And as we look at this passage, we're going to pull out a few words, a few phrases, a few images to unpack this idea of what this call to obedience really looks like. And so let's just keep uh, moving along through this passage. And so the first phrase I want to highlight is the phrase out of verse 12, to continue to work out your salvation. So Paul says, you know, as he's assumed, they'll always obey, continue to work out your salvation. And he says with, with fear and trembling, but it's this idea of continuing to work out your salvation I want us to look at. And that word salvation in particular because often when we talk about being saved, we maybe remember back to a moment in time, right? Uh, a definitive moment. Maybe it was a moment as a child where with one of your parents, you prayed to receive Jesus. Or maybe you were at a summer camp and the, the teacher up front was telling the gospel message and, and you felt this nudge to, to respond and to pray. And maybe with a counselor or something you prayed. Or, or maybe after a church service, you came forward and, uh, and maybe met with somebody at the front to pray and to receive Jesus. Or maybe just in the choir quietness of your own home. There was a moment in your life where you maybe came to the end of your rope and said, Jesus, I need you. And there was this definitive moment. And when we think about salvation, we often think about it as an event or in a moment, a moment probably from the past, right? That took place maybe weeks or months or years ago. And what Paul's saying here is he's inviting the church to continue to work out their salvation. It's like this ongoing sort of invitation that salvation's not just a moment to remember, but it's a process to be a part of. It's an ongoing process. It's a journey from the here and now to ultimately eternity with Jesus. It's this already not yet reality of salvation. Another way of thinking about it might be to think of the Israelites in the Old Testament. And this passage actually has a few um, references or, or uh, clues from the Old Testament. So it reminds us of the Israelites and their journey as God delivered them out of Egypt and ultimately to the promised land. And what would have been an 11-day journey if they just went from here to there, they took 40 years. Uh, they had a 40-year wandering in the wilderness, right? And their salvation experience from Egypt to the promised land wasn't just the event of going through the Red Sea, but it was this ongoing journey in the wilderness, 40 years before they got to the promised land. And it's this idea that Paul's getting at, that salvation's not just a moment in the past, but it's an ongoing process or it's an ongoing journey, the theological word for that might be sanctification, this process of uh, being set free from sin and set apart to holiness to God. And so Paul invites the church to work out the, their salvation, but uh, the good news is that it's not just up to us or to the church to work it out, because the next statement he says in verse 13, for it is God who works in you. It is God who works in you. So continue to work out your salvation, for it is God who works in you. And this idea that Paul's getting at is that it's not just about us, it's about God doing the work through us. If we've had a moment in time or a process where we've received Jesus into our life, Scripture tells us that we become a child of God. And as a child of God, God dwells within us by his Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit of God is living and residing within us and is at work in us. 
And Paul, throughout uh, many of his writings, talks about this reality of living by the Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, it's a great passage of Scripture to read about, to, to think about this idea of living by the Spirit and the reality that the Spirit dwells within us. And it's through the Spirit that we are able to call God Father and that we've been adopted as His children. And then Paul talks about this idea of living by the Spirit. Or maybe more succinctly, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 26, Paul says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so this working out of our salvation that Paul's inviting the church to is in conjunction with God working in us. It's him by his Holy Spirit working through us. And so this call to obedience is a call to partner with God working in us through his indwelling Holy Spirit. So as we read through this passage, another image that I want to draw out as we consider this call to obey, what does that really look like? Another image that we find in this passage is the image of children of God, verse 15. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And so I want us to think about this idea of children of God, and specifically children, Think about some of the children maybe among us, children in your family, children off in their classes uh, here today. Children uh, are in the journey of growing up, right? Children don't remain who they were. You know, little babies don't stay little babies. They grow and develop and mature and, and they become kids and then teenagers and then young adults and, and then adults, right? And older adults. And it's this journey of, of growth and maturity and uh, development, right? That's what children do. They don't stay the way they were. So I wanna, I've got a couple pictures just to help illustrate this idea of children uh, growing up. So this is, I'm actually in this picture. This is me and my two sisters. And don't tell my older sister, she kind of has a boy haircut there. But anyways, I'm the little guy on the left in the blue pajamas, blonde hair. And then my little sister, Lynn, baby sister, and then older sister, Pat. Hopefully Pat will never see this picture because I don't think she'd really approve. But anyways, that's me as a child, right? And the person standing here today might have some similarities to that picture, but I'm kind of a different person. I've, I've grown, I've matured, I've become an adult, right? So the next picture is sort of the in-between stage. And uh, this is me as a teenager. I think I was 17 or 18 years old. And Brett, our worship pastor, is growing a bit of a mullet. And I just wanted to encourage him that there's a way that you could still go with that mullet. That's, that's a mullet, okay? And uh, so when I was growing up, I thought that was cool. It was cool at the time, but I think I, I wore that hairdo a couple years too long. And uh, anyways, thankfully, I grew out of that phase, although it is coming back. As you, you know, Brett is bearing witness. The mullet is back, and uh, I'm not going to try and do that again. But anyways, uh, and then you can take that picture away because that's enough of that. But um, the person standing here again maybe looks a little more familiar from that picture, but... I've, I've grown, I've developed, I've cut my hair. I am getting less and less hair, and so that will be the next journey of just shaving it right off, right? Because that's what happens next. Anyways, children grow, they change, and that's all about outer appearance. But as you think about children in their inner being, they grow and develop as well, right? If you think about your own journey from childhood to if you're an adult or a teenager or as you've grown up, you've changed on the inside as well. And in my journey, dare I say, as I obeyed my mom and dad, they were a part of forming me into the person I am even today. So what does this have to do with being a child of God 
in our text here in Philippians. So as children of God, we're born into God's family when we receive Jesus. Scripture says in John 1 that if we receive Jesus, we become a child of God. We're children of God, born of uh, the Spirit. And as children of God, we grow up in this new reality with God, right? And just like a, a physical child grows and develops, as children of God, we are meant to grow and to develop and go through this process of working out our salvation like Paul is inviting the church in Philippi to do. And so a really quick story in my journey, as I grew up with God as my heavenly father, there was a transition point in my life as a young adult at 24 years old when I graduated from college and moved to Winnipeg, of all places. And uh, in Winnipeg, as a single guy, not really knowing too many people, don't have any family in Winnipeg, but my first church uh, was in Winnipeg. And so I was a youth pastor at a church there. And the church was going through a whole lot of drama. And so after three months there, I was kind of wondering what in the world I was doing in Winnipeg. And uh, didn't have, you know, I have a relationship with my parents. I could call them and talk to them, but they weren't there with me at the time. And I quickly realized that my Father in Heaven is with me all of the time. And so as a 24-year-old young adult, I began to be much more intentional about my time with God. And I would spend time regularly with my Bible and journal and just talking to my Father in Heaven and taking my cues from Him and realizing that ultimately, He's the parent that I need to be following as a child a child of God. And so even though I'm an almost 50-year-old man here today, I still have a father in whom I'm his child, right? I belong to him. And so that's kind of the invitation here in this passage of working out our salvation, being on this journey, this process, and even as children, children of God, we have a perfect, loving, heavenly father for us to follow. And as children of God, we will probably look a little bit different than those who aren't in the family, right? And that's where this passage goes on next. So Paul talks about being children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. But look at the next phrase. He says in verse 15, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. You will shine among them like stars in the sky. And I've got a picture I want to show just to kind of illustrate this. And this is from one of our staff, uh, Mark Michaud, who's in our operations uh, department here at the church. He likes to take night pictures, right? Pictures of stars and galaxies and things like that. So this is a picture that Mark shared with me that I could share this weekend. And it's uh, an image of the Orion Nebula which is the one in the bottom uh, left corner. And then also on the right-hand side is the Horsehead Nebula and the Flame Nebula. And a nebula is, um, they're clouds of glowing gas that form from a massive explosion from a star, right? And the rest of the, the light points in that image are thousands and thousands of stars. And those stars light up the night sky, right? The backdrop of darkness, and then these lights just penetrate and, uh, and uh, draw our attention to them. And so that's kind of this image that Paul's using here in Philippians. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. He's saying, you children of God, you church in Philippi will shine in this world like stars in the sky. And he's taking that image from the book of Daniel. So the prophet Daniel in Daniel chapter 12, just listen. I didn't put these words on the screen. Just listen to uh, these words from Daniel 12, talking about the end times. At that time, Michael, 
The great prince who protects your people will arise. And there will be a time of distress, such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. And so the prophet Daniel is talking about believers, children of God, shining like stars because of the work that God's doing in them, but also because they're drawing many to, to the king, to Jesus, to, to God. And so here in Philippians, Paul's drawing on this image to talk to the church and encourage them that they are to shine like stars in this world. And he goes on to say, uh, to use these words in verse 16, as you hold firmly to the word of life. That phrase, word of life, kind of caught my attention. Like, what exactly is Paul talking about there? And the word of life is just another way of saying the gospel or the good news of Jesus, right? The, the good news of Jesus that is changing lives, the unstoppable gospel that we've been talking about and this idea of being gospel citizens. So as we hold on to the, uh, hold firmly to the word of life, we're holding on to the good news of Jesus. We're holding on to Jesus himself. And it's this idea that we hold on to Jesus. He changes us from the inside out, right? Because it's God who's working in us to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And so there's this inner transformation that takes place in our lives as we hold on to the, hold firmly to the word of life. But then there's this outer witness as well. And that's where this uh, vision from Daniel, right? These stars would shine as they lead many to righteousness. As we hold firmly to the word of life, we're holding it out in front of the world to say, this is life. Jesus is life. This gospel is unstoppable. And this gospel can transform your life as well. And so as we hold firmly to the word of life for the inner transformation, we're also holding it out for the world to see that Jesus is the King of Kings and that he is unstoppable and that he's changing lives and that the world themselves, if they come to him, can be transformed and turn into these shining lights in the sky. Paul wraps up this passage in verse 18. He says, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. And actually, even before that, in verse 17, he says, I am glad and rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. And I just thought it was interesting that there's that word rejoice again. That joy is a theme in Philippians. And we got to remember what's going on in, in Philippi. Paul is writing this letter from prison. It's not a joyful experience that he's going through. There's really no reason for him to rejoice in the circumstances that he's in, but he's rejoicing because Jesus is on the move. The gospel is unstoppable. And he's rejoicing in the work that God's doing in the Philippian believers, the church in Philippi, right? Back in chapter 1, verse 6, he said this. He said, I'm confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And so even to the church in Philippi who's experiencing persecution and opposition and rejection, and Paul himself has been experiencing that, he's inviting them to rejoice because God is at work. 
God is working in them to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God is smiling over them as children of God. God is lighting them up like stars in the sky so that the world would be drawn to him. So as we try to sum all of this up, I know we just kind of picked through a few phrases and words and verses, but how would we sum up this passage? And I came across a quote that I think sums it up really well. This is from Lynn Coick from her commentary on Philippians. She says, Obedience is not a list to accomplish, but a relationship to deepen. And as we think about this call to obedience, that's really what this passage is all about. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. There are two that we kind of skipped over in verse 14, that they wouldn't grumble or argue. But I don't think that's an exhaustive list. So as we look at this passage, it's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's not a list to accomplish, but it's an invitation to deepen our relationship with God, right? To know that it's God who's at work in us. We're filled by his spirit. We're children of God. We bear his identity. He's our father. We're stars who shine in the sky because of the work that he's doing in us and through us. And so obedience is not a list to accomplish, but a relationship to deepen. And it's out of the depth of that relationship that it'll shape the way we live our lives, right? And that we could go back to verse 27, chapter 1, and say, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, because we're not conducting ourselves based on a list of do's and don'ts. We're conducting ourselves out of the depth of relationship we have with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So let me just close with a couple of questions for us to consider out of this text. And the first question is simply this. Are you in a relationship with God? If the invitation from this passage is to deepen our relationship with God, then we have to start by saying, am I in a relationship with God? And my guess would be there are some in this room who aren't. You're here for a multitude of reasons. Maybe you're curious, you're interested, maybe somebody brought you here, maybe you're really not sure about God, but if we were to ask that question, am I in a relationship with God? Have I received Jesus in my life, and do I know that I'm one of his children? That's the starting point out of this passage Are you in a relationship with God? And you could begin one right now if that is your desire. Really, it's simple. Just invite Jesus in. Use whatever language you want. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I want you. I'm going to put my trust and my hope and my faith in you. Would you please enter my life? I want to become one of God's children. It could be that easy. But the second question, probably for many of us here, would be how might you deepen your relationship with God, the Father, Son, and spirit. What would it look like for you to respond to that invitation to go deeper, to know that obedience isn't a list to accomplish, but it's a relationship to deepen? How might you deepen your relationship with God in these days? And if you're really not sure, here's a couple of real quick ideas. One would be every week on Instagram, we post scripture and a few questions. And that scripture is the word of life, right? It's the gospel of Jesus. As we read God's word, it's an invitation to let God speak. And then as we process those questions and think about them and journal on them or maybe talk about them with others, it's an opportunity to to process and to go deeper with God. So that's one option. 
Another might be to find some people to live out your faith in community with, right? Paul, at the end of this passage, was inviting the church to rejoice with him in the work that God was doing. So maybe there's a need for some people in your life to rally around you and cheer you on, just like Paul was cheering on the church in Philippi. Maybe it's joining a small group. Maybe it's just approaching some friends and saying, hey, you want to start getting together and going through the digging deeper questions each week or whatever it might be, but maybe it's an opportunity to gather with others to go deeper in your relationship with God. Maybe it's simply to be more attentive to the Spirit working in your life, to be more prayerful as you go about your day, to be uh, approaching your day like a conversation with God, talking with Him, opening your eyes to the work of the Spirit in you and through you. Those are just a few thoughts. There's other ways where you could deepen your relationship with God. What might that look like in your life today? Paul was inviting the church to obedience. He was calling them out to obey, to continue to work out their salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in them to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God is at work. And he's not done with us yet. And just like Paul encouraged the church in Philippi that he was confident that God was doing a good work in them and he would carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, I believe God is doing a good work here among us and here in your lives as well. And so let's pray for more and more as we go deeper with him. And so, Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this invitation to go deeper with you. And I pray for each one of us that we would respond, that uh, for those who are maybe on the fence of uh, entering into relationship with you, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be speaking and inviting and drawing them in. I pray for those who are saying, yes, I'm a child of God. I want to go deeper. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give us wisdom in what that might look like in each of our lives. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so now we come to the table as an opportunity to do two things, to remember the Jesus story, to remember the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and then to receive from him today. And so as we come to the table, we are reminded that this bread represents Jesus' body, which was broken for you and I. And this cup represents his blood, which was poured out for you and I, for forgiveness of sin, for welcome into the family of God. And so as we come to the table, this is another opportunity to go deeper. We're on a weekly basis. Whenever we gather around this table, it's like a tangible way to say, Jesus, I need you, and I want more of you in, your, in my life, and I want to go deeper with you. And so, Father God, as we come to the table, we do invite you to feed us, to strengthen us, to nourish us. We know that we cannot do this on our own because it's you that is at work within us. And you have a good work that you want to accomplish in each and every one of us. And so we pray that you would feed us at this table today. In Jesus' name, amen. And so if you have uh, the elements in front of you, you can peel off the first layer. And, uh, and that should expose the wafer, the bread. And so friends, as we take together, let's remember this is Christ's body broken for you. Let's receive from him today. Let's take together. And then if you peel back the next layer, you come to the cup.
And friends, this cup represents Jesus' blood, which was poured out for you and I. Let's take and receive from him. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand and uh, just for a word of benediction. And before I, I speak those words, just a reminder that our time here is done, but our time together is not. You're welcome to stay, to visit, to connect with one another. If you're a newcomer here, we'd love to see you at the Newcomers Center, and uh, we'll try to answer any questions you might have about who we are. And, um, and yeah, so make sure you take some time to, to greet some others before you go today. But as we do go from here, please receive this benediction. And so gospel citizens, children of God, may you go from here with a desire to deepen your relationship with God. May you truly be formed and shaped by him. May you shine like stars in this world as you hold on to the word of life. And may lives be drawn to his light shining through you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a great week.